plenty. But of course you are. Plenty are too. Named after your father, perhaps. Hi, this is Lana Wood. I was Plenty O'Toole in Diamonds Are Forever, but nevertheless, you can see this, hear this. You can't see it. Well, maybe you can if you're really special on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. $267,000. I'll shuttle for one dance with Domino. Can you play any other tune? Something we're making for the Americans. It's called a ghetto blaster. May I cut in? again, Sam. It's a charming tune. Welcome back, everyone, to the ninth episode of Bond Music, Six of the Best, our ongoing series discussing the Bond movie soundtracks. And yeah, we gave up counting overall. You guys know that. But you know what else you probably already know? You know, my co-host, my best friend in the world. It's Alan J. Porter. Welcome back, Alan. Thank you, Jared. It's great to be talking Bond music again. And I believe we have an extra guest with us this week. We do? Do we? I'm right behind you. Ah! (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yes, we do have a special guest from the Long Box Crusade Network and my brother from my actual mother. It is Jason the Weasel Skull Albrick. Welcome to Six of the Best, Jason. Oh, hello. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to do this. Been looking forward to this for a couple weeks now. You are now in league with our only other guest so far, which is Don Zuderman, whom you know. Yes, that's good company to be in. He sets the bar high. That's true. So Don and, of course, Raymond Benson. So, yeah, good company. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. even try to match that. <laughs> How could we forget Raymond? I know, right? He kind of started this whole thing with us. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully he will come back for a best of the rest. I'd love to do that with Raymond. I've emailed him a little bit about it. So we'll see if we can't get him. Maybe once we wrap up, Alan, we'll bring in Raymond sort of pick his favorites from yeah, all the I'm episodes. Sure that, that restraining order was really more of a suggestion. <laughs> I think, you know, It was never signed. Anyways, <laughs> let's talk about six of the best. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do what we always do. We're going to have a discussion of the movie theme song itself and a discussion of the score overall. And for each episode, someone takes the lead and Alan has the lead on this episode. He's graciously given away his score picks to Jason. If you're familiar with our Donnie Z episode, you know how this works. So Alan's going to give us the insights and the scoops on the theme song and the score. And then he's going to turn his three picks over to Jason. Then I get the leftover three picks. But then Alan will be back with the bonus track. So that's what's going to happen. Just trust us. Yeah. Thanks for uh, giving up those picks, Alan. It's really hard to find my my top three. Yeah, it would be be from this soundtrack. So... uh... (laughs) I'm glad you got to do that instead of me this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think there's any wrong choice. <laughs> no, oh. I think you're right. Yeah. Great soundtrack. You guys will get to hear us just gush all about it. Because this month, of course, it is John Barry's swan song. 
Everybody get in your cello case and get down that hill because we're going to cover the living daylights. Take it away, Alan. First off, as always, we are indebted to John Burlingame's excellent book, The Music of Bond, as our primary resource. If you haven't got yourself a copy yet, as we say every month, go out and get one. Check it out. If you've got any interest in Bond music at all, it is the book to get. So between that and what we found on the old interwebs and a few other resources too, uh, here's a little bit of background on the track. As just been mentioned, it was actually John Barry's swan song. and It was his 11th and last Bond score. That's quite a count, 11 scores within the franchise. This was actually also, as we pointed out last time, the last one was Roger Moore's swan song. So this was a new Bond with Timothy Dalton, who was a younger Bond than Roger Moore, which is not difficult to achieve, having somebody younger than Roger Moore at that point. But as it was going to be a younger Bond, Barry said he wanted to go for a younger sound for 007. Seeing how popular and how well the Duran Duran outing worked last time, he decided that he actually wanted to really try and appeal more to the MTV generation. Again, not just with the main theme, but actually also with the score with a more pronounced use of synthesizers. But interestingly enough, and we were just talking about this before we went on air, before Barry actually started working on The Living Daylights, in early 1986, he had actually just completed a full 80-minute score for the Eddie Murphy movie, The Golden Child, which if you have ever seen the movie, you're probably sat there thinking, I don't remember there being any John Barry music in that movie. That's because there wasn't. After producing the full 80-minute score, the wonderful producers decided that they weren't going to use it. And a lot of actually people consider it almost a lost Bond score because it is actually very similar in tone to Barry's late 007 scores, the last few he did. The Barry score was eventually released as a three-CD limited edition set, and you can find many of the tracks online on YouTube. But just as a taste for those who have not heard the lost Bond score, which was Barry's original score for The Golden Child in 1986, we're going to throw in a, a little snippet for a few minutes here. September of 1986, Barry moved on to start work actually on the Bond score. The thing was, they had a central character here who was a classical musician who would be seen playing in several scenes. So the first thing Barry had to address was what source music to use. And obviously these needed to be cello heavy pieces. So he picked stuff from Mozart, Borodin, Strauss, Dvorak and Tchaikovsky to play. In the scenes, the orchestra actually played those source music scores, but the actress Marion Darbo played alongside the orchestra, but they basically put soap on the bow on her cello so she wouldn't actually make any sounds. All credit to her, she had actually gone out and done a couple of months of cello lessons to make sure that she got the movement and the hand movements and stuff right to go with the music. That's why it sort of looks like she's pretty much in sync when you actually watch the movie. She doesn't look that out of place. 
And as as well as the main theme, uh, which we'll talk about in a minute, unusually, Barry also wrote two additional songs for this movie. And those came out of the themes that he put together for the villain's theme and the main love theme. The main love theme ended up being transformed into the song If There Was a Man, which was originally titled Where Have I Seen You, which we hear throughout the movie and as a full song over the end credits as sung by Chrissy Hind and the Pretenders. And also Where Has Everybody Gone, which we hear when the villain Necros is about and we actually hear his source music over his headphones when he's using his Walkman to strangle people. Again, sung by Chrissy Hind and the Pretenders. Two very strong songs that came out of Barry putting together some really strong themes that he thought he could then add lyrics to and make some good additional songs. So basically for this movie, we get three songs, which is unusual. So Barry wrote the score in just four weeks. and Recording was done during the week of May 11th, 1987. They'd actually pre-recorded the synthesizer pieces. They had an orchestra of about 70 musicians to play along as needed. Really, the result is a sort of rhythmic drive for a Bond score. Props makes it the most contemporary Bond score that Barry produced, but it's still recognizably Barry. I think it's very definitely a 1980s score, but very also has that undertone of it being a John Barry Bond score. And he ended up supplying around 57 minutes of music for the final movie. And talking of the sort of final part and the final movie, we mentioned that this was his swan song in the Bond franchise. And it's sort of a little nod. I don't know if it was deliberate or not. But as this was his final Bond outing, we actually get to see John Barry on screen in this movie at the end of the movie, conducting the orchestra in the final concert scene. In terms of the album, this was actually the first Bond album to be released on the then new compact disc format. And I think as well as existing vinyl LP and cassette versions, and I think because vinyl went away, this ended up being the soundtrack that was released on the most formats in Bond history because it was at that crossover point when. CD was coming up and there was still vinyl, but then vinyl went away. Maybe some of the newer ones now with the resurgence of vinyl will come back and, mm, and hold, right. hold that list of formats. But for a long time, this was the soundtrack that was released on the most different format that you could get it. Any thoughts on the soundtrack overall? Jared, I know you hate it. And <laughs> no, lies, lies, <laughs> all lies. I adore the soundtrack, sir. I'm just going to look over here at my cassettes and see if I have a cassette that I could play for us today <laughs> when it comes to... Of course I do. This would be the last James Bond soundtrack I would have on cassette. This movie came out in, uh, what, 87, right? And, yep. and as Jason will confirm momentarily, I'm sure, this movie came out when Jason and I were moving to Germany with our parents. This is the only Bond movie of our lifetime that we did not see on the big screen. So it was kind of different and special for us. And yes, I tracked down the cassette, really liked the more contemporary sounds. This is a great cassette to pop into your Walkman and go for a jog to. It's very kind of upbeat. And then the smooth parts are real kind of smooth and soothing. It's great jogging music. And that's what I did. That's why I know this soundtrack front to back. And I just adore it. It just brings back a flood of memories of living in Germany. It is the soundtrack of my youth in Germany. It's that important to me. Yeah. Did you leave a trail of strangled milkmen behind you while you were out jogging to this track? <laughs> well, yeah. The cops are still looking for me. <laughs> Take two. The Pulitzer are still looking for me. <laughs> but I've gushed enough. Let's hear from our guest, my brother Jason. What do you think of the soundtrack overall? Yeah, we listened to this one. Uh, in full disclosure, I'm in a hidden command bunker on my brother's property as I'm visiting he and his family. Jared picked me up last Monday at the Atlanta airport. So we had about a three and a half hour drive to get to his house. 
And so we listened to this in the car, popped in the CD. And Alan, you mentioned it right off the bat. That's one of the things I noticed, just the heavy use of the synthesizers throughout this album, with a couple of exceptions. That synthesizer really kind of replaces the drums, I've noticed. You know, Classic Barry made use of a lot of military-style drums, and the synthesizer replaces this. Drums are still there, but much more subtle throughout this album, which gives it a very unique sound, uh, not unpleasant at all. It has a wide variety of music, like you mentioned. Just a good, solid album, track to track. There is not a bad song on this album, and I've listened to it a few times. This is definitely right up there. And like my brother, I do lament. This is the one Bond movie in my lifetime that I have not seen in the theater. And I'm hoping someday they re-release this somewhere. And wherever it is, I will travel to go see it on the big screen. So you still haven't seen it on the big screen. Wow, that's sick. No, sir. Have yeah, not. Same here. That's the one, man, that we got to track now. There must be some sort of anniversary coming up. In 2027, maybe? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's on my calendar, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking earlier about the number of songs in this movie. The fact it's unusual in those three. And as always, we'll sort of talk a bit about the theme song. This is an interesting theme song, mainly because of the background to it. Following up on the success of using Duran Duran for A View to a Kill, the decision was made to go for another popular MTV-style group again. There was some speculation that the Pet Shop Boys were considered. Although, to be honest, I haven't found any written confirmation of that. But they did eventually release a demo track dated from around 1986 that was originally labeled as a James Bond track, uh, which was largely an instrumental, but then eventually a full version with lyrics emerged and was released by them. The song was called This Must Be The Place I Waited Years To Leave, which is a really awkward title, I think. And it doesn't really sound that much like a James Bond track to me but if you want to give it a listen was this the rejected pet shop boys track for the living daylights Just 
I got to jump in here and say I'm a big Pet Shop Boys fan and I hadn't heard this track before and it was super cool, man. I liked it. But like you said, not terribly Bondian. No, but I think it was a bad track. To me, it doesn't scream rejected Bond track, even though it was originally labeled as James Bond. So anyway, I liked it quite a bit, but just my two cents. But I'm a homer for the Pet Shop Boys. I've always liked them. I haven't been a big fan of the Pet Shop Boys. (laughs) I got to admit, I do like the AHA theme song. Jared and I were talking about it in the car the other day, though. I think part of it was they were trying to capture that magic in the bottle, like you mentioned with the Duran Duran hit. I think they wanted to try to grab another one of those. And I think that's kind of my only mild criticism. Although it's not a bad song, it's a good song. I really like both the Pretenders songs a little bit Mm. better than the main title track. Yeah, talking about trying to catch lightning in the bottle. So it was actually the same company executive who'd recommended Duran Duran, who'd actually moved record companies. He came up with the proposal for one of his new charges, Aha, to actually do the next Bond movie. And as he was the guy who recommended Duran Duran, that carried quite a bit of weight. And so they went with Aha, who had had six top 10 hits in the UK over the previous year or so. They were very popular. Um, Barry wasn't too sure. So he actually went to one of their live performances and was basically put off by the fact that most of the audience was about 13 or 14. And he thought they were too young for Bond. And he didn't like what he called their happy sound which was sort of overruled and it was like, you shall use them. I think we were getting to the days where the producers were saying, this is the band and the people doing the theme tune and the composer doesn't have any choice in it. So Barry had to use them. And it wasn't a happy collaboration. Things really didn't start off well when the band said they didn't even want to see the movie. They just hung around in the studio for a few days, later claimed that the tune popped into our heads after a few days of hanging around, which I don't think Barry was very impressed with. He then added a dark string score and some heavy brass, as we were just talking about the Barry sort of heavy military brass, to give it a Bond-like sound. So the song was recorded on April 23rd, 1987, with the Norwegian trio backed up by a 55-piece orchestra, which was not something that they were used to dealing with. They later claimed that they were working with John Barry, but he wasn't working with us, while Barry described the experience as playing ping-pong with four different balls. It was not a happy experience, and it was one of the reasons that he gave for finally deciding to move on from the Bond series, that if he wasn't going to have any influence over the singer and the theme tune, he didn't really want to be involved at all. And it seems no one really was too happy, even on the production side. 
producer Michael Wilson, who very rarely says anything negative, declared at some point, we were somewhat disappointed with the results. And as I've been trying to teach Jared, when an Englishman says, I'm somewhat disappointed, that means he really hates it. This was a <laughs> catastrophe. <It sucks>. <laughs> <laughs> and it seems the public didn't like it either, because neither the theme song or the album charted in the US, but in the UK, because of our house popularity, the theme song reached number five. While the Pretenders, if there was a man, peaked at number 49, which I don't understand. And the soundtrack just snuck into the UK album charts at number 57. So overall, yes, I think you were right in the fact that they were trying to catch lightning in a bottle a second time around, and it didn't quite work. So do we want to take a listen to the theme song, Jared? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I want to follow up with a question, though. You said uh, if yeah. there was a man peaked at 49, which you didn't understand. Are you like me? You think it's a better song than most? Yes. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm a big Pretenders fan, too. So. Uh, oh, excellent. Yeah, I like yeah. it. Okay, so I'll grab my cassettes here and get this going for you. All right. For the last time. <laughs>
So, Jason, you've already given us sort of a little taster of your thoughts on it, but any additional thoughts around the theme song? Well, I think I'll take this moment to defend it a little bit. I think the lyrics are good. The vocals sound good. And I noticed throughout the soundtrack, the orchestral part, when they play that tune, it sounds good in the movie. It sounds like a Bond theme. It doesn't sound out of place. It doesn't sound out of joint. There's nothing technically wrong with it. I think my main criticism, again, is that they're just trying to recapture a view to a kill where, in my humble opinion, they should have gone with a new Bond, a new sound, and been a little more daring. That's my ultimate take. I think that's a fair and valid point. Jared? Pretty much the same. Again, yeah, they tried to recapture Duran Duran. It didn't happen, but I do love this song. I champion this song all day long. I think it's great. I love that. The brass coming in is totally John Barry, which apparently AHA didn't like, but whatever. I think it sounds really good. I will pose a question. I'll throw a curveball to you guys, and I'll start with you, Alan. What do you think if they had abandoned this song altogether and made Where Has Everybody Gone, the theme song to this movie? I would have liked that. I think it would have given a very different sound to it. And to Jason's point, I think it actually would have suited a Timothy Dalton Bond I feel the same. It would have it would have been that clean break. I think I would have been all over the having the Pretenders do the main theme. Um, like yes. I say, it was a big big Pretenders fan rather than Aha. So uh, I think that would be good. But I will actually also defend this song somewhat. I do find it's probably in my top ten, so it's top half of the Bond songs. It's one I will sing or howl along to. I won't say sing. One I'll howl along to when I hear it in the car or walking, or it's on my headphones. I quite enjoy it. The lyrics are a little strange, as most of the lyrics are around this point. <laughs> it works. Or should I say, I think the John Barry version really works. I think it needed that Barry orchestration to really punch it up. So. Yeah, I know one of our listeners chimed in on Twitter and asked us, you know, how come you guys don't go in and explain the odd lyrics of uh, a view to a kill? And I'm like, man, we just play them. We don't try to explain <laughs> <laughs> But Jason, did you want to jump in on your thoughts of how you would have felt maybe if they'd gone with where is everybody gone as the main theme instead of recapturing? I think I'm going to take a slightly contrarian view. I don't think I would have liked that as the main theme. Simply, That's all the time we have for Jason. Back to Alan then. <laughs> no, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Because as I listened through the soundtrack, the Where is Everybody Gone was kind of Necros's theme. That's the one that they played when he was on the screen. And so I think it is perfect for Necros. I would have loved the pretenders to have done the theme song. I would have liked to see what they would have come up with, but I wouldn't necessarily have wanted it to be Where's Everybody Gone? Because, again, I think that belonged to the villain. I think you said what I was trying to say, but you said it much more eloquently. I would have liked to have seen the pretenders do a theme song, but not necessarily use that song as the theme song. And I think having the pretenders would have given us that break and that clear definition of this is a new bond, this is a new sound, we're trying to move forward rather than recapture what we did last time and i love chrissy hines too so yeah, <laughs> yeah. That. before we move on to jason's picks i actually want to do a little bit of throw in as well a bit more around the theme song we've talked about the, the fact that it's no secret that aha and john barry didn't get along and the band eventually released an album version of the movie's title track to show what their clean non-john barry version would have sounded like and i've included that in this episode's playlist also included is something a little different in 2017 aha did a, an acoustic session for mtv which, of course, included The Living Daylights. So I've included that in the playlist as well, and we'll probably tack that onto the tail end of the show so you can take a listen to Aha doing The Living Daylights Unplugged. 
And it's a very different take, one I enjoy. All right. So as Jared said, at this point, I would normally jump into my first three picks from the soundtrack, but I'm more than happy to pass that honor on to Jason. So Jason, take it away for your three picks. Well, thank you, Alan. And thanks for letting me have these picks. Boy, this was a Sophie's choice right here. So the first track that I selected was Koskov Escapes. And I like this one for a couple of reasons. Every Bond film to me has that one signature moment. I hear the music and I remember exactly what was playing on the film at that time. And this one has that portion where I know that it's the Harrier jet escaping with Koskov in there and hearing that music really pumps me up and just, you know, screams living daylights to me. Again, picking three was tough, but my first one here is Koskov Escapes. I'll let you take a listen to it and give you some further thoughts on the other side. So the three parts I really like about this is the beginning, you get that high tension. You hear, again, the subtle rapping of the drums during that high tension piece. You heard the Harrier jump jet scene, and then it goes out with that smooth James Bond theme, like very subtle. That's one thing I really liked about this movie. We're done with the Roger Moore floating gondolas and acro jets and everything. This is Bond being subtle in the background and having somebody escape from East Germany to freedom just made for an amazing tune. But that's just me. So we'll start with Alan. Alan, what were your thoughts on this? 
So if I got that right, the three parts you like about that, the beginning, the middle, and the end? Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's how I decided I was going to pick my three. <laughs> if I like the beginning, the middle, and the end. It made my cut. No, I'm glad you did my uh, Alan trademark ominous track to start with. So that was good. No, I, this is actually one of my favorites too. The fact that it ends with that subtle Bond theme, I think, just tips it up into the towards the top of the list of this track. So that was what sold it for me. Absolutely, yeah. Jared. What are your thoughts? Oh, same as you, and and of course, Alan. The little Bond theme at the end almost has a flighty sound to it, as if like. Bond has gotten away with something, you know, and I always like that bit. But yeah, what a great track from ominous, sort of heroic military-esque jet. And then the Bond, yeah, it's great. It's just yeah, great. It's really kind of like spy Bond. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, Bond did this, and now he's just kind of subtly walking away out from under the nose of the East German soldiers and police. And yeah, I like that one a lot. So that'll take me into my second pick. And again, these were so hard. But my second one is Hercules Takes Off. And the thing that I really liked about this one is you get the theme song music. It goes heavy on the techno sound. The keyboards are part of this. It's just a good actioner, which, again, just brings me right back in my mind to that scene where Bond's making that escape from the Afghani airfield, all the action that's going on around him. I just like this one. Gets my heart pumping. Jared, why don't you take us away for it? Hercules takes off. Seeing Jason's theme, he likes ones where airplanes are taking off. I do like airplanes.
All right. Well, we'll start with you this time, Jared. What are your thoughts? Oh, man, I love it. I love it. It just weaves that theme in so well. So up-tempo. This is a jogging song. Like I said, my Walkman, I'm picking up the pace. In my head, I'm running like Timmy D after that truck at the beginning in Gibraltar. In real life, I'm more like, <laughs> but, you know. We're, we're like Roger Moore in a view to a kid. We're coming off that ladder like we mentioned in the last episode. <laughs> but, no, man, it's a blood pumping all the way James Bond track, and I adore it. I'll pass it over to Alan. Yeah, it's one of the great examples of weaving the theme from the theme tune into the score, something that we've talked incessantly about, the fact that we really miss from the more modern Bond scores. It's a perfect example of how to do that and how to do it well, and actually also to drive the action as well. As you said, it's a real good thumping song. Another aviation-themed one from you. There's a little bit of a theme <laughs> developing here, I noticed. I do like the airplanes, as it turns out. I didn't <laughs> notice that before, which I guess brings us to the third one, because that also involved an airplane. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> and so for the third one, I picked Exercise in Gibraltar. To me, this is my second favorite pre-title sequence in the Bond canon. This pre-title sequence is just, oh, it's just amazing. And it introduces Timothy Dalton in just such a, just such a baller way. Like you mentioned, opens up with them on the airplane, jumping into Gibraltar. And the thing that I really like about the music is if you listen to it at the beginning, it's very classic, Barry. This is the one time where you hear the drums. You don't really hear the keyboards during the first part of this song, but then at the end, and this is the part where Bond figures out what's going on and starts chasing the killer, and the action really kicks off, that's when you hear the keyboards, and it really switches into the more keyboard-centric tone of this whole album and this whole film. So I just thought that this was a really good juxtaposition of classic Barry at the first part and new modern Barry for this new Bond in the second part. So with that, let's take it away.
so as you listen to that, you could clearly hear about halfway through there, we switch over from classic Bond to this is the new sound for the new Bond. I just love it. I know this track's a little longer than most, but I think it's well worth giving it a listen. But what'd you think, Alan? Well, like I said on the, I think it was the last episode, I really love music that tells a story, and this one really does. I mean, to your point about the pre-title sequence here, it's one of my absolute favorites. I don't think it's my second favorite, but yeah, it's definitely one of the top pre-title sequences. I love them whether they're sort of standalone mini movies, which this one certainly is. It was a great introduction to Timothy Dalton as Bond. And I think this music track really reflects that because you start with the almost traditional gun barrel sequence. And then you said more of the traditional Barry. And then when we actually get that first shot of Timothy Dalton as Bond, we get the Bond theme coming in. And then when he leaps into action and the fight on the, uh, the Land Rover, we get the more jazzy synth driven. Uh, this is a new Bond type music. So I, yeah, I think this is, is, is a track that tells a great story, but it's actually a microcosm of the movie itself and moves the franchise on to really underscore that this is a new Bond for a new generation and a new sound. So I think it's got a lot of layers to it. Really love it. This is probably actually my favorite track on the whole soundtrack. Yeah, I think it was mine as well. Well said, sir. What about you, Jared? That music is good. There we go. You've heard it from Jared. <laughs> Quality entertainment you get on this network, fellas. You know, I, as many times as I've listened to that track, I've never noticed, so kudos to you, Jason, for bringing it to my attention, that it is very much a transition of music that sounds very much from the Roger Moore or even back to the Sean Connery era to a, that new modern sound. And what a great uh, observation. And like I said, I've listened to it 100 times, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it really did transition to a new bond in that opening track. How clever. And I'm pretty sure that was the gun barrel on the very front of it, wasn't it? it yeah, was. it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. So what a really just great opening and just really setting the tone for that transition. Yeah, just great, great pick there. Well, that wraps up my three, Jared. I guess the good news is, is that no matter what you pick, there's still a lot of good ones left. <laughs> this soundtrack. I know, man. I feel like Brad Whitaker. Like, you've had your three. Now it's my 30, you know, type of deal. <laughs> but, uh, I'll narrow it down to three. Great picks from Jason, but it's funny how Alan and I have done so many shows, and when Alan has the lead, I'm like, oh, man, you got, you got the one I wanted, and, and when I have the lead, and vice versa, Alan's like, oh, I got the one I wanted, but this one, like, I didn't even care. I could pick tracks off this thing for days. I love every single one, so even continuing into the next three tracks, not a problem. My first one's going to be Necros Attacks. We've talked about it. We talked about how Necros has his own theme. It's track two from the remastered CD soundtrack. Let's just go ahead and give it a listen.
Okay, so we clearly have an instrumentalized, very jazzy version of Where's Everybody Gone by The Pretenders and John Barry. Super cool. I mean, the real question you have to ask yourself is, do you like 2% of the track or the whole track? Those are milk jokes. Over to you, Alan. What do you think? (laughs) Don't skim it. (laughs) I was going to say it was in England, so there's no such thing as 2%. It's semi-skimmed. Oh, (laughs) <laughs> I, got, I always have to ask him, is that real or is he gaslighting me? Because he does this to me all the time. I, I don't know. I pie. don't know. <laughs> I fell for omelet pie. <laughs> Actually, do you know what I'd never noticed before? And so we just played these two tracks back to back. How well the beginning of this track segues from the end of the exercise at Gibraltar track. Mm. It's actually almost seamless in that theme, that overlying synth theme. Because they're in very different places on the soundtrack album and in very different places in the movie. I'd never really noticed how close together they were. And that reuse of the theme at the beginning of Necros Attacks really reinforces the overall theme of the movie. I'd never really noticed it before. us just playing them back to back like that. So that was a little light bulb moment for me as to how well those two actually go together. A great track. As we said, it sort of leads into the Necros theme. And the first time we actually hear the Where's Everybody Gone, the source music in the movie. Always makes me think of the uh, Ever Milkman when I hear this. And his impending doom. So... <laughs> All right, Jason, go ahead and give a poll on the t- Never mind. Just what are your thoughts on <laughs> That was a visual I didn't need. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, no, Let's just move it along. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, this was one that I had a hard time letting go of. You're right. This is a great theme song. The thing that really struck me was, as I think about the theme songs from different villains throughout the Bond canon, This one's kind of jazzy. It's kind of a more fun theme song, Mm -hmm. but it's definitely recognizable. And Necros was just a good villain. Somebody that's clever, deadly, and physically a match for James Bond, which is always fun when you get that in the movie. And this is a good theme song from the villain. And and having that Chrissy Hines and the Pretenders as the base for that is just amazing. Yeah, I like this one a lot. Good pick, Jared. Thank you, sir. Well, let's get into track number two. I picked a track called Air Bond, which is track 19 off the remaster soundtrack. I like this one because it is both triumphant and ominous. So I'm hoping Alan's going to like this one. It has both of those feelings in it. So let's go ahead and listen to track 19 from the CD, which is Air Bond.
so there you have more of a much more classic Barry sound, not any of the synth stuff, but just really cool emotional build to it, I guess. I don't know. What do you think, Jason? Was this the scene where he drops the bomb to save the Afghani soldiers that were getting chased by the tanks? Is that where this was from? My spider to... says yes, but I will defer to Alan. He's much better at remembering when these things happen in the movie than I am. I was actually just struggling with the same question, Jason. I couldn't figure out where in the movie this was from. And then when you said that, it's like, uh, yeah, I think it might be that. But <laughs> We're voting yes. <laughs> okay. So, so to be honest, I'm not sure. Yeah, I like this one, like you said, because it's very much classic Barry. The synthesizers are gone for whatever reason. It doesn't rely on any of the theme music from the movie. It's very unique. And so I enjoyed this one as well. I I don't know why they made that choice, but it works. It sounds good. So, yeah, I I like that one as well. Alan? Okay, I'm going to be contrary on this one. It's not that I dislike it, but I don't necessarily like it. I think part of the problem I have with it is I found it a fairly forgettable track. Like, we were just having the discussion. I can't remember where in the movie it was used. And it is divergent from the rest of the track. It's one I tend to tune out. It's a workmanlike piece, but it doesn't really evoke any emotions in me or make me remember anything about the movie. I think I've used the phrase before, wallpaper music. It's just in the background. So, sorry, Jared. Mm. Mm. <laughs> well, that's all right. You do bring up a good point, though, because we were trying to remember exactly where it was in the film, and none of us could quite place it. We think we may have it, but for me, it's those pieces that really underscore that scene that I remember vividly are the ones that I naturally gravitate to as well. I guess this one probably just stands out to me because it is more classic Barry than the rest of it. It jumps out at me. It it goes into the wallpaper music for Alan, but for me, it's like, oh, here's a different sound, a classic Barry sound, a very welcome sound to me. I would say in your defense, though, Jared, because I listened through the album in its entirety a couple times, and the way that they have it laid out for the album is good because it does break up the synthesizer scores, which can, you know, when you, you string a bunch of them together, can't yeah. start running together. So this does break it up nicely if you listen to the album and it's entirely in the right order. Yeah, that's probably why I like it. But anyway, let's get to a track we can all agree on. At least we better. Or this will be our last episode. My, my, <laughs> my final track is track 12 from the CD. It's called If There Was a Man by the Pretenders. Not the orchestrated version, just the straight up song. I love it. I adore it. It's one of my favorite songs of all time, period. Uh, I don't need to justify myself to anybody. Let's listen to it.
I just love that song. There's not much else I can say. It just gets to my soul. I think I read somewhere. Alan did most of the research for this episode because he had the lead. But I want to say I read somewhere that Chrissy Hine herself wasn't terribly comfortable with it. She considered herself more of a rock vocalist. And this was more of a love song. I may be wrong on that. I, I thought I read that somewhere. But man, I think she nailed it. I just, I love everything about it. I'll stop talking about it and give it to Alan. Yeah, I love it too. It's because like I said earlier, I'm a big Pretenders fan anyway. I always like their stuff. Slightly different from them, as you said, less rock, more of a love song, but a really good love theme that really works throughout the movie. We were talking earlier about could the pretenders have used Where Has Everybody Gone as the theme? I actually think this would have worked better as a theme song Mm. for the movie. You know, it's not unknown for them to use the love song as the main theme for the movie. And I think this would have worked really well as well. So for me, yeah, one of the best unknown, if not the best of the what I would call unknown, not unknown. That's probably the wrong word, but you know what I mean. The sort of a, a Bond the B, song, the B sides of Bond, Bond or something. Or something. <laughs> yeah, a Bond, a Bond song that wasn't a, wasn't the main theme. I think this is probably right up there, if not the best of those. Mm. Okay, Jason, your thoughts on this awesome song? It's all right. Damn you! <laughs> <laughs> no, man, it's Chrissy Hines, the Pretenders. I was right. This could have been. The title song, I think back to like For Your Eyes Only or All Time High. There was a time when this song may have been the one selected as the theme song for the movie. And it definitely fits the Bond mood. You know, it works well, though, I think for Miriam Diabo. You know, whenever her character's on the screen and you kind of hear that subtly in the background. Again, I think it's a good character piece. Could have been a good title as well. But yeah, it just has a lot of heart, a lot of emotion. And I'm glad that Chrissy Hine did it because her voices sound amazing. Yeah, just one more plug for my cassettes. Uh, <laughs> so I have a just becoming a young man in, in Germany, just walking around listening to this. It's the soundtrack of my youth in Germany. It just absolutely is. This soundtrack, like no other soundtrack, owns a piece of my heart. And before I turn it back to Alan, I want to surprise him with just a question. Maybe you do or do not have this up top of your head, but if you were allowed to do your picks this time around, Alan, which ones would you have gone with? Oh, good one. I would have picked Exercise at Gibraltar, as I mentioned. That would have been my number one pick. Probably if there was a man as well. Or Actually, I may have actually gone for Where Has Everybody Gone. I would definitely put one of the Pretender songs in there. And other than that, I'm mean, not quite sure. Probably Airbase Jailbreak, actually. Now you mention it, yeah. Nice. It's really good. That airbase jailbreak, but it's long. Yeah, it I think is it covers time. like the whole time when they're in and then the fight and then they get out and then they jump yeah. over the fence. <laughs> it's like the whole jailbreak. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Well, cool. Thanks for playing along, Alan. And back to you, sir. 
All right, so now we've picked our six of the best. It's time for our bonus track. This time it's nice and laid back. It's sophisticated and it's from an album I've just discovered called Mr. Bond, a jazzy cocktail of ice cold themes. So grab a cold vodka martini, relax and enjoy the living daylights jazzy cocktail style.
we think of that version there? Jason, what's your feeling? What? <laughs> yeah, I fell asleep. Oh, come on. It's very relaxing. I will say that. No, that is a very relaxing tune. And I like it. I thought it was kind of jazzy and the kind of a, a neat take on the classic. It kind of makes me want to make a martini, relax at the end of the day, chill out, put my feet up. But I can't because Jared's got two bratty kids. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jared, what do you think? Oh, you continue your streaks of bringing stuff that I really like here. This is good. I'm very open-minded for different sounds. And this one definitely had a jazzy, almost Caribbean vibe to it. My Puerto Rican wife would really dig it. because It's got that Caribbean little flavor to it, I think. Basically, you've probably cost me money because now I have to go seek out this album. And this is not the first time you've done this to me. Congratulations. It's awesome. <laughs> You're welcome. I really enjoy it. As Jason said, it really is a sort of end of the day, grab a martini, sit back, relax, throw this on and just zone out. I think it's a really interesting and different version. And if you want to hear more about how others tackled a different take on this classic Bond theme, I put together a playlist of covers on YouTube. If you just search for Bond Music, Six of the Best, you can find all the ones from the previous episodes as well as this one. So we will put the direct link to this playlist in the show notes. And that will bring us to the end of this episode of Bomb Music, Six of the Best. Do you have a question or a comment? You can email us at ohmspod at outlook.com or comment on Twitter at ohmspod. Don't forget to subscribe to Under Majesty's Secret Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And if you can leave a rating and a review, that would be great too. Or if you want to chat with us personally on social media, I can be found at Yard Sale Artist. That's Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, it's all at Yard Sale Artist. Jason. You can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter or at Jason Albrick on Facebook or Instagram. Alan. For Bond stuff, you can find me on Twitter at Bond Lexicon or on Tumblr and Instagram at James Bond Lexicon. Excellent. And as always, we'll pass the baton to our White Rocket founder and OHMS pod co-host Van Allen Plexico to thank our generous patrons who support all of our White Rocket endeavors. We appreciate you guys. You let us continue to make these shows. And we have to pause here for just a second. We have to thank the folks who keep our programs on the air across our entire White Rocket Entertainment Network. For as little as a dollar a month, you can join their ranks. Just go to www.plexico.net, P-L-E-X-I-C-O.net. You will find their links to everything that the White Rocket Entertainment Network does, from books and comic books to podcasts about James Bond, about sports, and all the entertainment shows that we do here on the White Rocket Podcast and all the other things that I'm involved in. And you also will find a great big link that goes to the Patreon page, and you can join it, and there are a number of benefits you get for being a member. But mainly, you know that you're keeping our show going and keeping all of our shows on the network going for the foreseeable future. So for as little as a dollar a month, though we certainly appreciate more, you can be part of the White Rocket family and know that all of us here, and I especially appreciate you very much, our current Supporters include Matthew Flowers, Carl Von Drunker, Samuel Salvatore, and Christopher Burleson, along with Phil Amthor, Ben Spooner, William Glenn Matthews, Gary Grant, Wynn Carroll, Brian Gray, Winston Boddy, Willie Carden, Tom Anderson, Susan Trawick, Logan Chilton, Stephen Thompson, Chris Usher, Steve Trawick, and Richard Stevens. We also have Clinton and Christopher Stewart, Mickey B., William Morgan, Phil Davis, Joshua Corbett, John Otsuki, Preston Settle, Daniel Odom, AU Falling Up, Alchemist Kevin Smith, Clarence 
Alford, Will Summerford, David Hegler, Johnny Caldwell, Theodore Gary, Reynolds Wolf, Joel Beckham, Valiant Hermes, Jacob and Robin Fleming, Clay Henson, Ann Kangian, Catherine England, George Gaston, John McCune, David Evers, Timothy, Steve Harlan, Dan Thompson, Wes Atkinson, Rich Reimer, Hugh Anderson, Blake Heron, Steve Houston, Cato the Barner, Danny Flack, Papa Todd, Russell Milling, Kevin Canoy, Don Zederman, Ross, Lane Middleton, Shannon Butson, Randall Walker, Shane Bailey, Mick Vigicana, Chris Thrash, Tony Perry, Alex Nguyen, Josh Teal, David Simpson, Earl Ricks, Mike Finley, and C.T. Wayne. And finally, we have Jeremy Minton, Wardam Wade, Spanky, J.W. Rice, Jason Albrecht, Russell Souther, Paul Bankson, Joseph Eiliff, Justin Bean, Kevin Mahan, Stephen Wyatt, Trevor Johnson, Auburn Elvis, Robert Drain, Brandon Smith, Royce Alvarez, Thomas Brinson, David Smiley, Matthew Wagstaff, Donnie Reynolds, Wade Carson, Ivor Evans, John Zavachin, Michael Morton, Lawrence Kane, Darren Pyle. We're almost to the end, but we appreciate all you guys. Chris Camo, Ben Amos, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, Patrick Williams, Rob Morgan, Stephen Schuster, James Taylor, John Stubbs, Kenneth Brent Rains, Nicholas Craig, Joseph Miller, Mark Squire, Chris, Brent Rumble, plus our great Surfer Chickify and our anonymous and occasional and one-time donors. We appreciate all of you so much. Just go to www.plexico.net to sign up. So thanks for joining us for this episode. As we previously mentioned, this episode's tracks are from the 2003 remastered The Living Daylight soundtrack CD, which features the 12 tracks from the original release, including the AHA theme and the two presented songs, plus nine additional music cues. As always, we'd like to remind you to legally purchase your Bond music via official download channels or via CD or vinyl. Please support the Bond creative community. And we will be back with six of the best from License to Kill. A.K.A. the best Bond movie ever made. <laughs> it's up there. It's a good one. It's my number one. Or can I, I say? I know it is. <laughs> the score is not so great. <laughs> <laughs> but Jared, it's only your number one for life. For life. <laughs> <laughs> It was no secret that Ha-Ha and John... Ha-Ha-Ha-Ha. Uh, it was no secret that Ha-Ha... Uh, uh, that's not easy to say. And, <laughs> sorry, and, it's like an onomatopoeia that you're trying to... <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go on mute so I don't ruin his taking it. All right. All right, but Jason. the other half really liked Madonna's Die Another Day. <laughs> <laughs> we got to do something about Pat. We got to do something about Pat. And anybody got any questions or concerns before we start? Yep. Yeah, yeah, got my songs, got my notes, scripts up, pants down, ain't no time to mess around, let's podcast. <laughs>
It's not a long box show, Jason. Don't oh, scare sorry. off Alan. Sorry, uh, Alan's, been, Alan's been in the long box a couple of times. He knows what to do. I hope, I hope you caught that one for the outtakes. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's recorded. <laughs> Thank you.